Koinonia, Christian Fellowship, Communion with God, and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. I am Tom Brown, and your host today, Lance Rawhoff. Hey, welcome everyone. This is Lance Rahoff, your host today, and I have a, an exciting show for this next hour. I have a guy that's in our studio who I've known for um, over 20 years, I think now, probably 20, 20 years and two months. Uh, he's, his name is Doug Eaton, and he is like a lifelong Phoenician, uh, incredible guy, uh, has so many cool stories just in life and in his walk with Jesus. Uh, I'm I'm excited. We're going to get to Doug in just a minute. But first, uh, I well, just say hi since I already mentioned your name, Doug. Morning, Lance and everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's afternoon, but uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for being with us today. And uh, Doug, I'm just thankful for our friendship. Uh, I I'm excited today to talk about. Uh, you as a businessman, which you're an extremely accomplished, if that's the right word to even say, accomplished businessman. But uh, the things that I love about your life is, oh, yeah, you're a great resource for business. Um, but you're also just a great resource as a father and as a husband, as a guy, just to go, hey, how do you do life in in whatever area it is? I just feel like you've had so many great experiences. And so I want to get in today to talk about not just um, – Maybe some things in business, but some just some real life practical. What's the Lord doing in in your life, and what have you seen God doing in family and ministry and all of that? But um, but just welcome to the show. Like um, just to get started, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, growing up. Uh, where'd you grow up? What did that look like? And we only have a few minutes in our first segment, but but just get us started on that. Yeah, so growing up, um, I'm a third-generation Phoenician, so there's not a lot of us. My um, grandfather moved here when he was 17 with uh, $65 to his name um, from from the Missouri. He had no college or no, not even a high school education and um, ended up raising his family. My mom's family was raised here. My parents met in kindergarten at uh, Kenilworth Elementary School, so they developed a friendship that became romantic and then it was on again, off again, and then they got married, um, raised four children here in North Central Phoenix. I went to Sunny Slope High School, um, started investing time in um, young life at an early age. That's been one of the passions in my life is taking that through all the way now to, to gosh, 35-year investment of my life in that. I remember being a um, young life brat. I woke up um, in the morning hearing about young life, and then I'd come home from school. We'd have club at my house, and so that... One of the real exciting parts of my life was uh, my journey with Young Life, and I know that's where you and I have crossed paths yeah. for many, many years, Lance. Yeah, for sure, and and that's where I am now. It's the first time I've been on staff with Young Life just in the last six months, but been part of Young Life really for myself as a club kid in Texas, a leader at the University of Texas, and then 10 years at Arcadia High. And I remember that was really the, when I was coming on as a volunteer leader with Young Life at Arcadia High, you were you had been a, lead, a volunteer leader there, and you were kind of stepping off the team at that time to go do other things in ministry and life. But um, but I remember meeting you and thinking you were like one of the funniest guys that uh, just in that initial meeting. Yeah, well, I remember when you came on, we we heard um, a lot of uh, really big things about you. So we were all <laughs> doing the sniff test on you to see if you were the real thing. But no, I remember those days like it was yesterday. Those were a lot of a lot of really good days. Yeah, for sure. And so um, you have a wife and kids. Uh, 
And we're going to talk about them in just a minute, uh, Doug, because I, I really love uh, – one is I love your family. But uh, uh, it's interesting for a guy like you who connects so well with men – and I just think you're a natural with other businessmen and men. But you, but you have three daughters, and I want you to talk about it, which is I just think it's the Lord's way to go, all right, Doug, I'm going to give you this other perspective of life. And we're going to talk a little bit about that when we return. Also, I want to ask you this question. I ask all of my guests is if you could have any one superpower, what would that superpower be and why? And we're going to come back with Doug Eaton and uh, talk about life and ministry as a business person. As a matter of fact, if you know somebody that as a businessman who's not on listening to this show right now, tell them to turn it on because they're going to get some really cool insight from a great man. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff with Doug Eaton, our guest today. Doug, third generation Phoenician, which you don't really find a lot of those. If you've been around Phoenix, I've been around Phoenix for 20-something years now. And I remember when I first moved out here in 94, and I'd drive around or I'd meet new people. It was like, oh, no, I'm a transplant. And you rarely met anyone who's even who who's born here, it seemed like. I would, it, And I'm 50 years old now, but... Uh, Doug is actually a third-generation Phoenician. He's seen a lot of changes in the Phoenix area. And, Doug, right before we left in our last break, I asked you if you could have any superpower, what would it be, and, and what would that be? Gosh, um, I guess uh, that, that – boy, that's a really um, thought-provoking <laughs> question. Um, I would say um, that I'd have unlimited faith in um, God, the Creator, and not to manipulate or to have um, you know superpowers over anybody, but just to have – that constant abiding um, obedience and that faith to just have, um, you know, that relationship to take me through every day. And, you know, I've been given a lot of faith, and I'm grateful for that, but um, gosh, I'd love to have more. Yeah, Doug, okay, that was like the most super spiritual answer I've ever heard. That was awesome, man. got it. That's so good. Uh, Hey, um, and that doesn't surprise me coming from you, because I just see that there's a passion in you uh, just for the Lord and to see the kingdom expand. Uh, just the kingdom of heaven keeps advancing across this earth. And I see your role. I mean, God's gifted you, Doug, in some ways, like uh, ways that you're such a people person and a motivator. Like you're the encourager, motivator, hey, buddy, let's get it going kind of guy, um, and and yet have a lot of wisdom. But let me ask you this about your family life. So you have a, a wonderful wife in Kelly, yeah, 25 years. So we're going to celebrate our 25th this year. So wow, that's exciting. a big one. Yes. Do you have any plans or are they a secret? Um, boy, gosh, I'm so romantic and I'm such a <laughs> gift person that um, I have a super long strategy, but it'd be about an hour to roll that out. No, I have not thought about that yet, Lance. <laughs> so God gave me a lot of gifts. That was not one of them. <laughs> Hopefully Kelly's not listening right now. <laughs> when is your anniversary? October 17th. Oh, so you've got a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got, got time to think, so mm-hmm, okay. time to plot. <laughs> okay. Do you need to put a reminder in your phone? I have three daughters that will help me remember, so I don't think I'll be dropping the ball on this one. <laughs> okay. Actually, and a wife that will remind me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have three daughters. And what I love about this is I have two, two boys, and, uh, but having three daughters, how's that affected your life? <laughs> 
You know, it's been amazing. So I, I love having daughters. I am, um, I am a uh, cuddler. So growing up with three daughters, it was always a lot of affection in our house, a lot of, um, of like you mentioned, affirmation, and a lot of those types of gifts God gave me I think work well with girls. Um, at times, you know, was I reluctant or a little bit, you know, a few moments in my life I thought, gosh, it'd be nice to have boys, but I've never really thought much about that because – if I had boys, I think I probably would have been a little um, tough on them. I tend to be a little intense and a little driven, and I think God really put women in my life to soften the edges and to keep me um, grounded in grace and in um, more virtues of um, tranquility and um, coexisting uh-huh. and relating versus fighting and competing and scrapping. And <laughs> That's the environment that I live in all the time, and I think God put women in my life to balance that. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, okay, so I'm going to do so. So you have your wife, Kelly, you mentioned, and you have three daughters. Okay, I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but they're going to listen to this show, I'm sure. So, you know, you got to take those things in consideration. But if you had uh, one word or a couple words to describe Kelly, what would it be? Kelly would be um, gracious, hot, and hospitable, and kind. Okay, you almost said hot. Yeah, (laughs) but that's okay because, you know, and that too and that too. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. So tell me uh, the same, a word or a couple words about each of your daughters. Who are they and and what would that be? Lindsay's a lot like me. She's driven. She's um, inspiring and she's motivated. Uh, Molly's a lot like Kelly. She's gracious. She's kind and she's um, generous. Um, Kate, who is my senior, is a lot like me. Very, very driven. Um, very people-oriented, um, very passionate, um, lives life to the fullest, a little impulsive, doesn't spend a lot of time on the planning, but um, phenomenal at execution. <laughs> That's so good. I really love that, Doug. And I love how much you, you really do care for your family. Now, uh, your business, uh, what is your business? Um, I'm in the business of making wheelchair-accessible vehicles. Yeah. What's the name of the company? Uh, VMI, Vantage Mobility International. Okay. How long have you guys been been in business? Business was formed 30 years ago. We're celebrating our 30-year anniversary. I've been there 25 of the 30 years, so it's really the only career I've ever had. Yeah. No, it's good. So you guys make um, wheelchair-accessible minivans. Yes. Yeah. So we make the Toyota Sienna and the Honda Odyssey and the Chrysler Pacifica, which just came out this year, wheelchair-accessible. So we equip them with automatic doors and ramps and lowered floors. Now, where do y'all ship? Like, who's y'all's customer base? Um, so we're worldwide, but um, 90% of our volume comes from North America. So we have dealers all over the United States and all 50 states, and they are intermediary. They relate to the customers in their market, and they do the technical fittings and then the service following okay. the sale. Okay. So that's, that's a unique business. Uh, most people don't think about uh, – and that's just something that – um, not your everyday you come across, right? I mean, it, but you, such value and life-changing, honestly. Yeah, it's a lot like, um, you know, I relate it to my faith, and that is that people who are immobile are broken and they're lost and they're frustrated. They've been through a lot of hardship. And then VMI comes around and we restore them. We restore their mobility and their independence. Um, we relate it to a spiritual journey, being broken and being lost and then being found, being um, essentially 
you know, given a second chance, given a second life in a way. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and I want to draw a connection here now to you have your family, you have your business, and then there's this ministry. But as I always say, is I mean, ministry is really everything that we do. But yet the Lord calls us to make a specific connection, maybe to invest your life in something. And, and you have, and your family, you really have chosen to invest a lot into Young Life. Yeah, so we have a family joke that um, we all said we met— um, we introduced a Young Life leader into our heart at a very early age, and then we met Christ. So and that's the neat thing about Young Life is that it's about the relationship. And I think that's why I've gravitated to the ministry um, for many, you know, basically my whole life is the relationships are some of the most important. I've always found that um, I see God more through transformed lives than I do through um, an intellectual or a process-related journey. So for me, it's much more about the, um, the emotive side and what's happening with people and what's happening with relationships. So that's why I'm drawn to Young Life. I think it's they get it as much as any ministry that I've ever been a part of. Yeah, because you grew up in a house that had Young Life going on in your house when you were a little kid, right? Yeah, no, I, re- I have time for a story here. Um, so I remember a leader named Phil Emerdino. He said, if we got 100 people here to club at my house, I was probably in fifth grade, that he would shave um, an S on his chest for Sunny Slope High School and paint it green. And I witnessed the most hairy-chested guy I've ever seen literally <laughs> shave a big awesome. S on his chest and paint it green. I'm like, this is for me. I'm I'm sold. This is the most passionate, fun experience that I've ever had. So I'm going to stay connected, and I have all my life. Yeah, no, that's good. And you have um, a couple other brothers and a sister, and they've been involved in Young Life as well. Yeah, our family. You can't go to a family reunion. We'll have Christmas here in a little bit, and you can't last at a family event without talking Young Life. It's the number one topic at the table. So we're all involved in some way, shape, or form. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to have that connectivity. Yeah. So what are all the different roles that you've played over, I mean, many, many years in Young Life? Because a lot of people who don't know just think, oh, Young Life, that's a, a youth ministry for high school kids. But really, it's junior high, it's high school. But but this is where I'm going with this is if without the adults involved, like Young Life doesn't exist, right? I mean, the volunteers and and really the people like you, Doug, or like people that are listening to us right now. Uh, so what are the roles that you've played? Um, well, I've played, you know, you and I did volunteer leadership together. That was a lot of fun at Arcadia High School. Um, then I stepped into what is called committee, which is what I'm doing today. Committee is really two things. It's the pray pray for the area director in terms of direction, support, guidance, affirmation, things like that. But also it's the financial side. It's we essentially raise the the, the uh, budget for the ministry to exist. And in Arizona, there's 28 areas, I believe, Lance. And um, I am on Scottsdale committee. So Scottsdale has a you know fairly small budget. One thing I love about Young Life is 87% of the dollars go right to the field ministry. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of corporate overhead and things that you hear about in the paper these days that are very disappointing. So, um, yeah, my job is to raise money for our area and to pray for our area director, Tanita. Yeah, that's great. And so and that's one of the roles that my wife Susan and I have right now, being part of Young Life, like I say, for, you know, 30 years, but now being on staff for the last six months, my role specifically is to connect with the committees, the leadership teams. That's what I tell people. I say, you know, because when you throw out the word committee, you kind of go, well, that word, maybe, you know, people thinking of some committee that's meeting in the office or or some, you know, whatever that, you know, you, there's different words or different connotations that people have with the word committee. And I like to say leadership team. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that fit for you, Doug? Absolutely, because we are looking for people that can lead and 
We need people that have vision and people that are dedicated and people who have contacts, contacts in the marketplace. So yeah, it's there's a role for everybody, just like the body of Christ. We need all sorts of personalities and types, but people that are out there, you know, leading in the community are exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. So our role is a regional ministry development is uh, one of our roles is specifically to connect with those area leadership teams, like the committees, Mm -hmm. and help encourage and support, be a resource for. Uh, We love it. We One is because we just realized that, I mean, I say this with the most sensitivity I can say it, is that committees in many ways are the backbone of young life. That doesn't mean committees are more important than the volunteer leaders on the ground or the area directors or the other staff. I mean, there's about 1,200 volunteers in Young Life in Arizona alone. I mean, Young Life's in over 100 countries around the world. It's crazy, the expansion um, of Young Life over the last 75 years since it started. But there's these committees that are these adult men and women like me and you who are doing life and work in businesses and have families, or, or you don't even have to have a family. You can be a single person and younger. You don't have to be an old guy. Um, it's really, but it's adults who say, oh, I want to see this ministry keep going. I have, a, I love the Lord. I love what he's doing. And it's funny, like, we just invite people in, and they get sucked in, and they don't want to leave. You said it. I can't put words any more effectively than that. Yeah, but Doug, here's what I'm going to work. In our next segment, we're going to talk about drawing people in because you're such a people person. This is the kind of thing where, like, if you've spent 30 minutes around you, Doug, you're like, tell me what I need. Let's get this thing going. You're, like, so passionate, motivated. So uh, stay with us for this next segment. I'm ready, buddy. All right, man. Put your seatbelt on. Hey, welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff. I'm with my guest today, Doug Eaton. Doug is a businessman here in Phoenix. He has had a really very uh, successful company uh, called VMI. Um, VMI stands for, Doug? Vantage Mobility International. Vantage Mobility International, making wheelchair accessible minivans for uh, people all over the world who um, need that kind of accessibility and mobility. And it, it really is life-changing, as Doug told us in the last segment. Uh, and, it, and it even resembles the gospel of uh, restoration and this kind of new life. And and that's really, in every phase of our lives, that's what's so exciting about our walk with Jesus is that God is always doing something. His character is restoration. His character is wholeness. His character is to take people, is to take the things that— um, the, the the lost and those without hope and being found and giving the ultimate hope. And and it's not just hope for eternity, but it's hope for today. Is that right, Doug? 100%. I mean, it's um, tragic to go through the loss of the lower extremities. And many of these environments are um, significant injuries where you're shocked because you're in a hot, find yourself in a hospital room without the use of your legs. Um, those are the most... Um, transformational experiences because you think that you um, are you're in despair and you think that you'll never have your mobility again and then company like us comes around and lo and behold you can and so that's exciting then there's the progressive disabilities those are a little bit more difficult in one sense because um, 
the disabilities de- degenerating over time. And those people are becoming aware of our products over time, so it's not quite as transformational because they've used other mobility products. But nonetheless, there's another life changed, another person freed from the shackles of you know being in their home, being forced to be in city transportation or some substandard um, method of transportation. So, yeah, every day I get to see dozens and dozens of lives changed. Yeah, it's so cool, Doug, that you have – really, this is this is just part of your life. I mean, it's it's you've been doing it for 25 years. Uh, it's what you know. And, uh, and at the same time, uh, this is where I would say a lot of Christian businessmen and women, uh, they get – fully invested in their business, and they have their family and home, too. Uh, but they're, I, at least from my perspective, there's more that the Lord wants to do in this. One is is um, going outside of yourself, outside of your business or your family, or maybe bringing your family in with you in this, or bringing your business in to some com- is to be part of a ministry. And you guys have been a vital part of Young Life mm-hmm. here in Arizona, specifically in Scottsdale, where you've been on committee. We just talked about committee, the leadership team for the Scottsdale area that helps support. Really, I would just say the leadership team is goes, how is the spiritual health and financial health of our area doing? Tremendous. I mean, there's always work to do. It's um, like I said, Young Life is a very modest budget, um, but our work is um, we have created um, um, a surplus of, of budget. So that's great. It gives us breathing room for the staff to go out and do their job without worrying about the finances every day. Um, I would say the the health of our committee is great in terms of the spirituality, the relationships. We we are about business, but when we come together, we're about the relationships and we're, we have worship. Um, we believe in catching up with each other's lives, having coffee together, making it, you know, it's a relational ministry. So we don't want to just be all about the academics and all about the finances, too. So I'd say we're in great shape. Thanks yeah. for asking. No. OK, so say that I'm a, a guy who runs a business or, you know, I'm just an employed person. Um, but I live here in Phoenix and or really outside the Phoenix area, too. I mean, there's young life that's growing in small towns. The suburbs all over. We just had an interview um, uh, last week with a person up at Northern Arizona University, and we have uh, Young Life down in Tucson. I mean, there's there's Young Life all over. Uh, but say I'm I'm just having coffee with you, and um, you're telling me about Young Life. And so let's just do a little role play here, okay? Sure. All right. So, hey, Doug, thanks for buying me that great lunch and because uh, <laughs> you're a generous guy. Uh, thank you uh, for getting together today. Hey, what's going on in your life? And, and, and if you were to turn around and ask me, well, what are you investing in, Lance? Like, what, like how are you giving your life away? And I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I got family. I got work and all that stuff. How would you talk about, like, what's going on with Young Life? You know, I'd start by saying if if you if God has placed on you um, any kind of an itch to join something that has um, a real aspirational um, kingdom element to it, um, you guys, you know, you, you Lance might consider Young Life. Let me tell you what we've been doing. We've been on a journey here, um, investing in this ministry here in Scottsdale that changes kids' lives better than any ministry. Um, we're very, um, uh, we have lots of big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, we really set the bar really high and we want people to be really inspired. So if you want to be part of a movement, that's, um, essentially our vision is to become a destination of choice. We'd love for staff and committee from all over the world to come to us to say, how did you guys do it? Can we join your committee? 
Um, can you mind if we shadow you guys for a day? What, what is happening out here in Scottsdale? So we, we aren't there yet. It's something that you essentially um, quite you, – you never get there, right? But we want to continuously improve every day to become – the best area in the you know entire world, and that's something that we think is really a great purpose. And it's more than just um, you know logging in time to check the box because you're doing your duty. It's something that there's times when it is just going through the motions. But if you want to be part of something bigger than you, Lance, you want to be part of something that's really a movement that's really changing lives, um, something really special. Come join our committee. Come join Scottsdale Young Life. I think this is for you. Yeah, I think that's great, Doug. And obviously, you're specific to Scottsdale, but. Uh, but there's, I think, like you said, 28, and there may be 25, 28 areas somewhere in that range right now in Arizona, and, and we keep expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I would just say that for somebody who's a committee chair in um, Peoria or Surprise or Gilbert or Tucson, you can kind of name the different areas, is that something that you said, which is uh, you want to be a destination of choice. I love that. Um, I really like that. It's a little cheesy in a good way, meaning that you kind of go, destination of choice, what does that mean? I mean, it's something that re- you know starts making people think about in their head, like, mm-hmm. oh, destination of choice. We want to be something where people mm-hmm. go, I want to be a part of that. And I think every committee says, oh, well, we want to be we want to be that kind of place where people get men and women uh, have the opportunity to to come in, invest their lives, see the kingdom come, um, get great community, which I think is another part of all of this that is so important. And and you're really good at uh, community building. Like you said, you, t- you, you don't just sit around a table and talk about finances, or you don't just sit around a table and talk about logistics, or you say the academics, because then people go, all right, well, what what else? You know, you got to have the feet on the ground, have, have a perspective of what is God doing? So what do you see the Lord doing in Young Life? Not just Scottsdale, per se, but in Young Life right now. Over the, I mean, you've been around for a lot of years. You've seen a lot of changes. What do you see the Lord doing right now? Yeah, I mean, two, um, two verses come to mind. One is when Christ in the New Testament said um, that I've come to give life and life to the fullest. I mean, that to me is what Young Life is all about, whether it's the international board, whether it's Scottsdale, whether it's Peoria, whether it's you know California, New York, doesn't matter. People are there that are completely releasing themselves and their burdens and just being free, free to be crazy, free to shave an S in your chest and paint <laughs> it, you know, free to laugh, free to um, just just completely be unburdened for a while. Um, the other verse that comes to mind is um, when Christ said that. Um, um, to get a full life, you have to give your life away. I think there is just something about serving, even if it is a moment where you might not be emotionally inspired, but you're just giving that time away. Um, maybe it's logging some time, getting the kids on the bus. Maybe it's taking people up to Lost Canyon to go um, on a weekend journey where it feels like work. You're sacrificing, right? You have other priorities. But, you know, somehow God meets you in the middle or at the end or at the beginning, and you're just like, wow, I just am giving my life away. And that, for me, is just worth everything. And then the third thing, it's more of a secular quote, but um, shoot for the moon. If you fail, you end up in the stars. I really just believe in just being aspirational, setting big goals. Let's go change the world and you know, get a few fanatics to join you and actually believe that maybe, maybe we just can change the world. And it's the same philosophy I have with my company. It's very competitive in the market. You know, and you have to create a vision and a mission and values that's more important than just a paycheck because 
You know, otherwise people are going to become uninspired and they're going to go do something else. Yeah, no, that's you're right. They will. And and that's part of I think even being in church ministry, I pastor for 10 years at Living Streams Church and Living Streams Arcadia. And, and one of the things that I, I would tell our staff or we would even communicate from the pulpit is that uh, that everyone should have a job in the ministry that I say the Christian life is not a spectator sport. Like, we're all in on the game. We're all on the field, right? Uh, We're not sitting in the stands going, all right, Doug, way to go, man. I'm going to watch you do ministry. It's like, no, Lance, come out of the stands. Bill, come out of the stands. Cindy, come out of the stands. Like, you're in. And I'd always say, give people a job description. And and when you talk about leadership teams or committees, whether it's Young Life or any other organization, how important is that that if you have 15 men and women sitting around that said, all right, Doug, we're on your committee. Um, you're our leader, um, so to speak. You're giving us directions. Uh, you're the general. You're the big toe, as Bill Murray would say. And sorry, that was a stripes <laughs> reference for 1980. <laughs> you're dating yourself, Lance. <laughs> That's All right. The millennials don't remember that movie. No, <laughs> exactly. Sergeant Holka. Um, but um, how do you keep people inspired on a committee? And this is just an organizational leadership conversation right now. Is how do you do that when you think about everyone has a job? Yeah, no, then it does become operational and tactical, which is really what I do um, 40, 50 hours a week. And it's essentially dividing the ministry into categories and um, activities. There's fundraising, there's prayer, there's um, adult guests, there's, um, you know, event planning. And so all of those roles and responsibilities are divided amongst the committee and people are given tasks and project management, project leaders are formed. They're creating timelines, they're creating budgets. And then they're accounting and reporting on the progress. So it's a lot of um, – I love the business side. I'll be honest. It's a passion of mine. So it's very similar to business. You're creating um, goals and you're creating um, plans to meet those goals and then you're reporting out on them. And then you're talking about success and failure. You're arguing just like you know you would in business, just like brothers and sisters do. So it's not all pretty all the time, but you know it works. It's very effective. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that as Christians we think that maybe shouldn't happen sometimes. But there's a when people are operating in their gifts, and I want to talk about it because you operate very well in that administrative organizational um, gifting because that's clearly how you're gifted. Other people who might be a little more creative or maybe not as much in that area we could look at you know that and go. Oh, my gosh, that's, that's like walking through three feet of mud. But I want to get to that in just a minute about what does it mean to operate in your gifts in that kind of environment. So stay with us. This is great having Doug Eaton on the show with us today. Hey, welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff, your host today with Koinonia, and my guest is Doug Eaton. We've had a really good time talking with Doug over the last uh, 40 minutes or so of the show. And and Doug, when we last uh, left, you were talking about really an organizational dynamics of, of whether it's a business or a nonprofit or like Young Life, a ministry. Uh, you have to be organized. And this is, it's interesting because I went to a conference at Bethel Church in Redding, California, uh, and they had these breakout sessions where they said, uh, you know, you'd have your creative, go to the worship conference or this and that. And then they had this one that's an administrator's kind of breakout session. And it's for, you know, whether you're a lead pastor or executive pastor or somebody that's leading ministry, you want to go and, and get some insight, right? 
into organizational components of a ministry. And so I go there, and honestly, my thought on that is, is okay, I'll go to the boring one. I'm going to go to the boring thing that talks about, like, here's how you run an organization. And it was one of the most exciting. I, I'd never been part of a administration breakout session like this. And this is the first thing that they said, which just captivated me. And big letters on their screen in their conference room came up, and it said, true, true administration is intimacy with the Lord. And I'm like, whoa, what does that mean? True administration is intimacy with the Lord. And here's what they said is they go to be, and you look at Scripture and and all the times. I mean, clearly administration is a gift of the Spirit. It's mentioned, uh, whether it's uh, 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans uh, 12 or Ephesians 4, you talk about administration, like you talk about you know forming the— um, Stephen's Ministries is what we call it now, but you talk about Stevenson, you talk about the deacons. They said, hey, we got to get organized so we can help distribute food to these people. You know, organization throughout Scripture is really evident, and a lot of people think it's boring, but it's like as vital as the feet on the ground that are going and presenting the gospel, because many times you have to have the organizational components into place in order to effectively go out and minister the gospel. And I think that's what you're really talking about with these Young Life committees, is that they're getting organized in order to release others in their gifts. Is that what's going on? Yeah, first and foremost, I want to steal that information you got and um, plagiarize it because it sounds great because um, I know we have a committee experience coming up where you're going to be doing breakouts. But no, I, I really mean that. One of our philosophies is to benchmark outside of our, even though we want to be the destination of choice to become that, we have to go find what people are doing that's the most successful. And so we have tried some things that haven't worked. Um, and we have tried things that do work. And, um, you know, creating a, a big aspirational vision is motivating. But if you can't deploy those resources into really practical you know, rudimentary um, X's and O's, then you're going to fall short. And so we, you know, we have had a lot of challenges in that area. I mean, as as much as I hate to say it, there's still an 80-20 rule that applies in business and ministry, and that is, um, you know, 20% of the people do a lot of the work. And so that's something you have to learn to just give grace to the people that aren't and just pray that their time is coming and that they're going to pick up the, the pace the next semester, the next quarter. But I've just learned to develop that um, philosophy and, you know, trying to put the real practical, organized people and functions like, you know, project management and reporting, creating agendas, creating report outs, and then the creative people. And Lance, we know who some of those are, right? <laughs> um, we want them to fly on the yeah. BHAGs and the stretch goals and the shooting for the moon. Um, I think those kind of qualities um, really – I think, um, balance each other out really nicely in our committee. Yeah, and I think, in, right, they do balance each other out. And as the word tells us, we're the body of Christ, right? And, the, you know, all the Christians are brothers and sisters, but we're, we're one body, just like arms and legs. You know, the Scripture talks about it. It's like, and you don't have this desire, the, you know, the eye doesn't want to be a nose or a mouth or an ear. I mean, they all have their own functions. And for you as an organizational leader to identify and go, what are you gifted at? And I want to see you fly in your gifting. So I'm not going to make someone who's not an organizational administrative type person do those things necessarily. I mean, I think we can all operate in some degree in that. And like, for instance, showing up on time, that's not mm-hmm. really an administrative gift. That's just you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the interesting thing about that is some of our best administrative people are not great delegators. So when you put them in charge of a, of a big project— they will run it themselves, and they'll work themselves to death. That's frustrating. And so can you teach people that are great at administrative to also lead 
by delegating. That's a really hard, and especially when it's volunteer, it's very hard to call somebody on the table, set, make them set a goal, and then hold them accountable yeah. because you feel like, gosh, you know, last thing I want is a confrontation. You know, everybody's just trying to get along here. Yeah. You know, so there's some tension <laughs> that we don't have in, in business. You just call it like you see it in ministry. I think there tends to be a little bit of um, sometimes a little bit of a pastoral soft pedaling that, you know, <laughs> there's times I'd like to get in there and shake things up a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, well, that's okay. Oh, so that's kind of what I was referring to um, uh, before is there can be a tension with people are operating mm-hmm. in their gifts. There can be a tension that's a good tension. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's a couple of things that I say in ministry is one is confrontation is not a bad thing. How you confront someone makes all the difference, right? Meaning, absolutely. There's, there's um, a woman on our committee. Um, I will not mention her name, but can she's, you tell me her name? I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's done me a lot of. When I was, I'm not leading it now, but when I was leading committee for three years, um, she she would come in and hold the group accountable with some really frank, really candid, um, um, uh, you know, um, comments. And it would shock the crowd for a minute. But I'm thinking as a committee chair, boy, this is exactly what we need is a shakeup. And I just didn't have the vision or the tenacity to do it <laughs> myself. But there's nothing like a good shakeup to get everybody <laughs> motivated again. And, you know, sometimes people get their feelings hurt and, you know, hopefully that we can all work it out. And we have. But, you know, sometimes it's not for everybody. Sometimes, you know, it might be your time to just step off because there is some truth to that. It's very frustrating when people are giving 110 percent. Yeah, and there's people that are, you know, not carrying their end of the bargain. Well, I think it's finding where people's strengths and gifts lie and then going, how can we, how can you come in? And you're right, though. It's, I, you know, it used to say something in our in our church ministry at Living Streams Arcadia, and and it's something that we, Susan and I also do with committees right now, is we want to be really good with hellos and goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And and what does that mean? It means that we want to welcome people in really well and get excited and blow trumpets and like, all right, you're part of the team. That's exciting. People want to be a part of a team, right? I mean, they want to have fun. They want to be relevant to their life. They want to, in the ministry, they'd love to have the presence of the Lord and it's a holiness too, right? Yeah. And and so, but we also want to be good at goodbyes because sometimes, I mean, is this not true, Doug, though, in, in ministry? It happens in business, but let's think about ministry is people leave with feelings hurt mm-hmm. they and 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 sometimes they leave and then what happens three months later you're sitting around in a meeting you're like hey has anyone talked to uh sam and jill and nope having i go oh it's been three months gosh you know and it's like sam and jill are hey they moved on and and how does that as a a leader um, in ministry, what would be a word of encouragement that you could say to other leaders just about those goodbyes? Because I think all, if any of us have been around any period of time, we realize those things happen way too often. And it's not that they're not fantastic people or that there wasn't some—I mean, mm. maybe some things still need to get worked out. But a lot of the times, it's just that how do we say goodbye well? How do we send people off where they feel loved and encouraged— and and help them find another place or or what? But how do you address that? Well, I mean, it's more of a philosophy for me. I um, apply this um, f- this saying to my family and to my ministry and to my business, and that is, you know, seven affirmations for every one criticism. So, you know, when there is an uncomfortable conversation or maybe a, a, a word of criticism, criticism, there has been you know, six or seven affirmations before and after that. So like you said earlier, I I do believe that I'm very positive. I believe that our committee is very positive. So that atmosphere prevails. I mean, we've all been around atmospheres that are demotivating, that are negative. So if there is criticism, 
that person probably, you know, should look in the mirror and say, okay, there's probably something going on here because there's a really positive culture here. We're getting a lot of stuff done. You know, maybe I need to learn. Maybe I need to listen to that. So I, hopefully that's, that's what you're talking about. But, yeah. you know, I believe that if you have a positive atmosphere built in Christ, built in grace, then you are you're serving God by basically being frank and having those candid conversations. And, you know, nine times out of ten, those difficult conversations end up making the relationship better. I think sometimes we avoid them because, you know, we're embarrassed. Nobody wants to go into that coffee shop and have a tough conversation. But the relationship grows because spotlights are shined on, on and you've built the foundation through all the affirmation, all the trust, and all the, the, the journey you've been on. So then you've earned the right to go have those frank conversations. Yeah, no, I think you're right. The relationship makes a huge difference in that, clearly. And, um, and I want to get back to something that I said at the beginning of the segment when I went to that conference on administration, and they said intimacy, uh, true administration is intimacy with the Lord. What that was talking about is that if we want to be really good administrators and and put together plans and honestly get just strategy from the Lord, right? And you have the Word to reference, clearly the Bible, Scripture reference, and then we have community and wisdom from other um, Christian leaders and other men and women in our community. And, and But we have to spend time with the Lord. Like, we have to spend time. That was, if we spend time with the Lord and start to understand the character of Jesus, the character of God, and and who He is, and, and then we start to, that's that intimacy part with the Lord, then we can administrate, and that we can direct and lead so much more effectively. Is that not right? Amen. I mean, that's probably something I could learn and do better at is, you know, I get in a business mindset. I think there are probably a lot of times that we could just slow down and give give the issue over to the Lord. and. You know, let him work it out. I mean, I think we try to do that, but we could probably do better at that. Yeah, I was in a, I was in a leadership meeting. We had uh, invited at Living Streams Arcadia. We had this. Um, we had about thirty people on our leadership team, and we invited some guests in one time, and and we were talking about. Uh, I mean, just some logistical things about in the service or whatever. And we were going around and realized pretty quickly, oh, we're getting a lot of opinions on this, which there's usually no shortage of opinions from people about. I don't know about opinions. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Everybody's yes, we, got one. Everybody's got one. <laughs> so uh, we, were, we were talking about it. And this, this visiting guest couple was sitting there and, uh, and the guy says, the husband says, um, hey, maybe we should just ask the Lord what the answer is. And everybody's like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that'd be good. And he's like, well, he goes, I like to say that the Holy Spirit is the great time saver. Let's just spend some time with the Lord. And so everybody got quiet. We said, Lord, what, what's your strategy for this? What do you believe in this? I mean, it brought us into unity so quickly. We came to a conclusion very quickly. Oh, this is what we need to do. And, and it was stuck with me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many times do we sit around in a meeting talking and talking and talking? And, what, what do you mean? and those are good to have some discussions and process where we just need to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, put on our hearts what we're supposed to do to go forward. Amen. I don't think there's any follow-up to that. I, I think that's—I um, would like you to bring that to our next committee meeting, Lance. Um, Doug, I have to miss the next three because—no, I'm just kidding. All right, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> Let's go meet for a coffee. Yeah, exactly. No, I love that. So, um, hey, stay with us. We're going to close out our segment today with Doug Eaton. I love this. We're going to have some time to pray on the air with Doug, and um, but don't go anywhere.
Hey, welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff, my guest, Doug Eaton, today. We're closing out our hour with Doug. It's been so good talking to him. And, and uh, Doug, I just want to, VMI, Vantage Mobility International, is your business. If somebody were interested in that or has a friend, knows somebody who needs a wheelchair accessible minivan, how would they get hold of you? Uh, VMIVans.com. Go take a look at our website. We also have a company-owned store called Vantage or um, VMI Mobility Center. VMIMobilityCenter.com right here in um, Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, that sounds great. And then also you being uh, part of Scottsdale Young Life's committee, uh, that's great. And really, what if somebody doesn't live in Scottsdale, that's okay. If they're another city or across the valley somewhere else, but they want to get in contact, can they just get hold of you to talk about what it's like to be part of a Young Life committee? Maybe they want to be a part of that. Absolutely. I think texting seems more popular these days. So um, text me right on my um, mobile number, 602-363-6885. My name is Doug Eaton, (laughs) E-A-T-O-N. Yeah, that's great. Well, Doug, we're going to close out. Will you just pray? I was thinking that it'd be great for you just to pray for any men and women out there who uh, may just be going like, Lord, what do you have for me? And I believe all of us have a calling on our life and our gifts need to be set free. Can you just close us out in prayer? Yes, dear Lord Jesus, I just pray that um, every person in this community, in particular the business community and the leaders of these businesses, would slow down at this time of year to think about um, the people that might be disenfranchised or lost in their companies. My heart um, tends to go out to people who may be loners, who may be um, estranged from their family, who may be hurting. It's amazing what one little word possibly can do or one little pat on the back or one little conversation. I've just been um, reminded through the years that um, oftentimes it's just those simple little common courtesies that can help somebody from um, having a bad time to, to really getting through the day, especially with all the expectations with Christmas. Give us wisdom and leadership as we run businesses and help us all to find purpose in you, in your name. Yeah, that's so good, Doug. Thanks for doing that. And um, and I just would encourage anyone is that if you just want to, if you're a businessman or woman in the community and just even want to have a conversation with Doug, I'm sure he'd be uh, happy to because uh, he just loves people and wants to see people um, set free and excel in their business and ministry. And he's a great business mind. Uh, like we talked about today, a lot of organizational type components go into his daily life. But um, here's what we're looking to do is to unite the men and women around this value. Uh, to come together because the Lord is on the move. And so thanks for joining us today and Lord bless you. Thanks, Lance. It's been a blast.